Welcome into Fantasy Focus Football. It is Tuesday, August 15th. Today's show is presented by Geico. Switch to Geico. See all the ways that you can save. Field Yates, Mike Clay, Daniel Dopp, hanging out on a Tuesday after what was a very long night for the first night of the Fantasy Football Marathon field. I just want to know, did you get any sleep last night or did you have baby duty as soon as you got home after doing a 14-hour day? Funny you asked, Daniel, because the answer is neither. Instead, because I actually care about this company and I take the fantasy football marathon very seriously. Last night, we got off the air at 11. I ran a marathon, Mm. a literal marathon, from 11 p.m. until about... Maybe like twelve thirty is about when I finished. Okay, um, and so I've I've subsequently just been stretching and getting prepared for TV this morning, and wow. now the show today. What did you do after the show last night, Mike? Uh, I stayed up all night, and I'm actually napping right now with my eyes open. <laughs> so, <laughs> so if I see say some weird stuff, that's what it is. Yeah, I'm actually not fully conscious. Actually, that's that, partially that's true. Partially I true. Was, you know, we that were, might explain your Brees Hall ranking a little <laughs> bit. Oh, what? <laughs> no, we were up late. Up this morning, you yeah. would get up. I was on Sports Center on the on the seven, so yeah, I'm uh, I'm cruising a little bit. Maybe you should have had an extra coffee, but we'll see. We'll do, yeah. let's just let's just have some fun here, and we'll say some things. And, That's right. And they might be accurate. They might not. I feel you're not a coffee guy, right, Daniel? I am not a coffee guy. I consume my caffeine in different ways. You, Mountain Dew, Mountain right? Dew, yeah. Mountain Dew is a preferred so beverage. Does, yeah. So any Mountain work my Dew way this morning or no? No, not this morning. No. Okay, I didn't. I was worried this morning that coming off of so little sleep that it would like make me jittery uh, if I had too much caffeine. Gotcha. You know what I mean? All right. Well, by like the eighth round of the draft tonight by the way tune into the draft tonight 7 p.m eastern time not just on espn but also on youtube everywhere you watch your content's going to be a lot of fun mike has promised to quote shock the world with his first round pick i love it and we we could get some shockers in this one right because there is some serious pressure on people to if you want to get Garrett Wilson, you're going to have to go early. He could go as early as three in this draft. I've Adam heard Schefter's that. talking about that it. I've heard it. Crazy. It's going to, it's going to be pretty, something pretty else. Crazy. Well, uh, big show today. A huge show huge, today. Huge. We got a lot of news. We're going to talk about, we had some running back news that dropped yesterday. And then the NFC East, we're going to break down the tiers of everybody that we like within the NFC East. But guys, Yesterday, just before the fantasy football marathon kicked yep. off, we got news from Adam Schefter that Ezekiel Elliott <laughs> has officially signed with the New England Patriots. Not just before, like literally as soon as we went live. Yeah, he, I think that was Dalvin Adam Cook. Was like, yes. Or, oh yeah, that was the yeah, it yeah. was Dalvin Cook news. Yeah. So it was literally as it was happening. Yeah, it was unreal. Oh, you were talking about Zeke. See, I'm not even. Paying not even paying attention. Way to go, Mike. Again, this is the whole sleeping with your eyes open yes, thing. Yes, that's yeah. exactly right. Uh, uh, yeah, we we were supposed to have Shefty on the set with us, and all of a sudden it was just like Savania, Mike. No, and then an empty chair. <laughs> and we were like, yeah, we'll, we will have our friend Adam Schefter in just a couple of moments once he gets off the phone, probably with big news. And we got that big news. Yeah, we did. Uh, but let's start with Zeke, Daniel. Like, sure. What's the, what's the news there? So Zeke signing with the New England Patriots. It's a one-year deal worth $3 million with some nice incentives field. How yeah. do you feel about the contract and what it means for Zeke for us? All right. So it's, I mean, it's a real deal in the sense that like, you know, this is, he's going to be on the team. Yep. Right. And like, um, this is a player that the Patriots clearly vision will have a role for them. So let's mm-hmm. talk about what this role might be for Ezekiel Elliott, because Zeke right now is not the same player that he was for several years when he was one of the most valuable players in all fantasy football. But let's talk about the things that Zeke does still at a high level and how that could impact the value of Ramondre Stevenson. Zeke really good at finishing at the goal line and short yarded situations. He's yep. never not had a touchdown. Yep. He, is a, plus every he is a fantastic finisher. Mm-hmm. One of the best in the NFL during his time in the league. Also a very good pass protector, which you don't get points for pass protection in most leagues. I play in a couple leagues with pass protection points. Coaches Uh, love it, though. Mostly you don't get it, but coaches do love it, and it does allow a player to stay on the field for more snaps than other backs might. Let's talk about what it means for Ramondre Stevenson, though, because Ramondre, and we've been saying this so many times that I was nervous, we had just kind of jinxed it. He had one of the clearest paths to a top 10 running back season based off the Patriots depth chart 24 hours ago. Really talented player, very little competition for not just snaps, but targets, carries, Mm -hmm. you name it. Uh, Beyond that, like this Patriots offense, we think will be much better this year than it was last year. This is a roadblock, though, because what I think this does for Ramondre Stevenson is it does not threaten the fact that he is going to definitely lead the Patriots in running back snaps, running back carries, Mm -hmm. probably running back targets and catches as well. Yeah. 
But what it does do is it probably depresses his touchdown upside because if the Patriots have first and goal from the one, mm-hmm. there's a pretty darn good chance that Ezekiel Elliott's getting that carry over Ramondre Stevenson, Mike. So I knocked him down about four spots in my running back rankings. Yeah, that's totally fair. But here's the thing. Ramondre Stevenson, really good in fantasy last year, right? Yeah, Top 10 was. Uh, producer. He had six touchdowns, yeah. right? So that already was not part of his game. Sure. And I thought he might score a few extra this year if there was no Zeke, which would have been nice. Add to his ceiling, to your point. Uh, but again, we, he didn't need it last year, and he might not get it this year. He might only score five to seven touchdowns, and that'll be fine if he continues to have a big role in the passing game. And I think he will. He was fourth in catches at running back last year. Zeke, remember, was outside the top 50. He was kind of a non-factor in that department. I don't think that changes, right? Remember, yeah. he's over 2,000 career touches right now, yeah. right he's, a lot of been, in those tires. he's, he's now uh i don't want to say a backup because he's gonna have a situational role here but i think there's still a path to stevenson being a top 10 or 12 running back i i think it's more i think it's safer to call him a mid-range i have him at 15th but he still has that back end rb1 upside the only thing i'll say about Ramondre's passing game utilization is that i do wonder if not because of Ramondre's skill set but because the offense is just functional this year mm-hmm. if they won't lean as heavily on him because there's not a star player on the Patriots offense amongst amongst the pass catchers, uh, but there are like enough solid players that Ramondre having, I'm, I'm going to look the exact number of targets uh, from last year. He had, yeah, I did knock him down. My yeah. projection has him down like three, 4% he had 88 targets last year. That's a lot. That's five, yeah, it was top five. 16 games. So um, it wouldn't stun me if Ramondre's passing game utilization is shaved off a little bit. Plus the touchdown upside mm-hmm. kind of where it was last year when he had just six as Mike noticed. That's why I've got him as a mid tier RB two. but yeah, me too. Don't like him a lot as a player and uh, you know this Patriots team has not shied away from the fact that he is the guy in their backfield yeah everybody in ESPN fantasy has him from running back 12 to running back 15 right now so still a high end RB2 yeah what about Zeke does he have any kind of late round value that you want to pick up on as like a touchdown guy or not certainly a lot of insurance value right he's one injury away from being probably a top 20 to 22 ish back Um, and then I would say this uh, Zeke will score probably like half a dozen or more touchdowns this season his end of season rank amongst running backs will probably be higher than where we are normally ranking him week in and week out, right? Like it wouldn't surprise me if Zeke is like RB 28 at the end of the year because he has like, you know, whatever, 675 rushing yards, but 11 rushing touchdowns because he's really good at that, Uh right? Yeah, Um, kind of like last year. Yeah, yeah. um, it is, I would say it's definitely not to the extreme that Jamal Williams was last year, but I think if you are starting Zeke, you're going to have to count on guessing right and expecting him to score a touchdown because his passing game role should be fairly limited and Ramondre be the guy in the carry yeah, department. And it'll depend how good the Patriots are too. If they make yeah. a big bounce back under Bill O'Brien and Mac Jones takes a leap forward, they could score 15 more touchdowns than they will if they don't yep. take a leap forward compared to last season. And if, you know, if he's the goal line back, that can mean five, six, seven touchdowns for Z can be the difference between a fringe RB two or a guy that's unusable most weeks. Yeah. Last right. thing I'll say about the Patriots, because it, I, I should have mentioned this in our in our pre-show conversations. Mike Kosicki left practice yesterday Ooh. with what uh, sounds like some sort of upper body injury. And it doesn't sound like he'll miss too much time this regular season. But I do think there's a mounting case for Hunter Henry as a value. Mike talked about him most recently. I think it was the preview pod last week. Was that you uh, talking I, about Hunter Henry? I, don't, I wasn't talking about too much, no. I'm, I was I'm, trying I'm to give you a nice... Okay. Yeah. That yeah. was, uh, well, Adam last night. Okay, right? Jesse. Sheffy, but yeah. yeah, I mean, at cost. I mean, he's literally free right now in yeah. drafts. There's been yeah, a lot yeah. of reporting. He's been their most reliable player in training mm-hmm. camp, maybe their best offensive player in training camp. So uh kind of has me intrigued for the first, for the beginning of the season, if Kosicki is not on the field. The one comment I'll say about that is when, when they traded away John o. Smith, I was looking into uh, Henry splits last year and like all of his targets, target high target games which is like five or six yeah. it's like a high yeah. target game was when johnny was not was out or hurt or limited and then they bring in gasicki i just have a hard time seeing the ceiling that's my so point really buying the season. right yeah. so like season. if gasicki misses some games to begin oh, oh, the year if he misses, yeah I agree. right so I you're agree. drafting yep. him for that. we've talked about how like some people with tight ends they just like patch it together two three weeks at a time hunter henry could be one of those <laughs> what was that no, no, nothing. Go ahead, finish your thought. Uh, he could be one of those options that if you're like, I'm cool with figuring out week by week, week by week, and hoping that like I find a guy that sticks, a Cole Komet from last year when mm-hmm. he kind of got hot, then maybe Hunter Henry is a good starting point. That's it, though. The keywords are one of those options. There's like 37 of those, right? <laughs> like we're going to talk about a few in the show. Yeah. Uh, so where like, do you have yeah. him of those 37 ranked? I need a precise uh, in number. In the what? I probably I've got have him like 6.24. Yeah. Oh, 20 oh, of the 37 that are uh, you know. Oh, of the 37 toss ups. Yeah. yeah. Probably probably like 16th. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's right in there. I like 16th. Yeah. That's so on my clay of you. All right. We do better. Mike sort of gave this one away, unfortunately, before we started. But as soon as the marathon started, yeah. 
field. Adam Schefter left the set to be able to go find out news about Delvin Cook signing with the New York yeah, Jets. That was the one, yeah. That's how that worked. And that was, again, huge news for us here. We've been waiting to find out what's going to happen. Obviously, he had visited the Jets before. We were waiting to see Brees Hall. Got news today coming off the pup list, yeah. so we are excited about that. But I think we talked about it yesterday, guys. Yeah. Dalvin Cook, probably more early season value than late season value. Brees Hall, a guy that you can, if you're drafting him now, you're going to be looking more towards the second half of the season. How does this move shake up your rankings, though, Field? I got to be honest with you. I've been thinking about this a lot since about 7 one when the news okay. broke. <laughs> okay. I actually think with the right roster construction... This could end up being a net positive for Brees Hall. And here's why. You might be get you're going to get him on discount now, right? Because he's not going to go as high in draft as he was prior to Dalvin Cook signing. Hall also activated from the PUP list literally like an hour before we came on the show. So another step in his process and his progress uh, coming back from that ACL tear last year. The Jets are going to be judicious with Brees Hall out of the gates. Mm-hmm. Even if Dalvin Cook hadn't signed, there seemed to be some messaging that was going to be the case. But I'm starting to think about this more and more. This Jets team is all in. That's part of the reason why they signed Dalvin Cook. At some point during the season, it is no longer going to be about your sponsorship, right? Like, not your, who cares if you were a first-round pick? Who cares if you make $7 million per year? Who cares about how you got here? It's, can you help us right now? Yeah. It may take a month, maybe even two months. But what it's done, either of you guys, if by like week eight, Brees Hall is the clear-cut guy for the no. Jets, and we're ranking him inside our top 10 every single week. And by the way, he went his running back 21 off the board. Yeah. So I know that sounds weird that Dalvin could cook could actually help Brees Hall, but maybe one of the risks that you could have run if you had taken Brees Hall as like RB 10 or 11 without Dalvin cook being signed is that it does take him four or six weeks before he gets up to his normal self. Yeah. I'm wondering if perhaps this is like a backdoor entryway mm-hmm. to a better value in drafting Brees Hall. I agree. 100%. No, it's not at all. I agree 100%. And I want to see where Brees Hall's ADP lands. Cause I want to be on on him. I'm going to lean that way. I'm going to lean away from the idea of cook hurting him and more into Brees is going to take control of this backfield at some point. And I made this comp last night toward the beginning of the show, which is, I could see the, you know, you're like trying to make comparisons, right? Because you could kind of see it playing out in your mind on a normal week-to-week basis in the NFL. If Dalvin Cook falls into that sort of A.J. Dillon role where he's clearly the 1B, he's going to soak Mm -hmm. up, you know, maybe 9, 10, basically split carries, maybe like a little bit behind. Dillon would be a little behind Aaron Jones in terms of carries, but Aaron Jones would then dominate the passing down work. That's huge. That made him, that pushed him up into the RB1 conversation. Dalvin Cook, I mean, he had a you know, a fine role in the passing game. He had a 9% target share. That is not a big number. No. And he's now 28 years old. I don't think he's going to be a big factor. Maybe one, two, three targets at the most. Right. Most weeks. But Brees Hall is, he had two 10 plus target games last year. He's going to be a big factor as a pass catcher. So even if they spend this whole season splitting carries and Hall dominates the passing down work, he can certainly put together an RB1 season. And if he does separate a little bit in terms of carries, who knows? It could be top five. Field, you moved Brees Hall down to where? Uh, RB19 for me for Brees Hall, and Dalvin Cook is RB31. RB31. What about you, Mike Clay? Yeah, so uh, I have Hall at 17 now. I initially okay. was a little lower and when it happened because I didn't know. We know for sure yet right. that Hall would be activated Correct. and he could be on PUP to start the season. Now that we know that's not the case, I feel even safer with him. I'm with you there. And Cook, I have a 27. I want to offer one more sort of piece of perspective here, if that's okay. Sure. Um, Dalvin Cook was signed because Aaron Rodgers wanted the Jets to sign Dalvin Cook. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I think that's notable is that, not that the Jets front office is like, you know, perturbed by the idea of signing Dalvin Cook, but make no mistake about this, Aaron Rodgers has significant leverage because he's a four-time MVP who got traded to the Jets, who gives them real hope to make a deep playoff run or even win the Super Bowl. And oh, by the way, gave up $35 million when he restructured his contract like three weeks ago. I mentioned all this because what Aaron Rodgers wants right now is pertinent. But again, if Dalvin Cook's not cutting it by week four, five, six, seven, eight, it's going to be the Brees Hall show because the Jets are driven by one bottom line, which is winning the Super Bowl this season. Yeah. So I think that like, um, well, I like Dalvin Cook as a player. I think he's solid, right? I think there is a clear divide in terms of talent between these two players in the Jets backfield. And what do you always tell us about the cream? 
They rise to the top. The cream rises, rises. Mike Clay once eloquently, eloquently told us. So I think that maybe by the end of this middle middle point of the season, excuse me, it's like, yeah, it's a Brees Hall show. Like pretty clearly. Yeah. yeah. Like Brees Hall's way better than that guy. My only pushback to that is uh remember Aaron wanted uh Randall Cobb mm-hmm. and Alan Lazard, and then yeah. he practiced with Garrett Wilson. He hasn't practiced with Brees Hall yet, right? Yeah. So today he might he might practice with Brees Hall and be like Actually, this guy's maybe really we did good. not need to do that. Maybe we should have. <laughs> oh, spent- so that's even better for my argument. Though. That's what I'm saying. Is that like my point is that on paper, Aaron was like, "Oh yeah, we should go get Dalvin Cook." Like he's played against him for years. Yeah, he's right. seen him run over that Green Bay defense and probably has bad memories of him torching the Packers at times. Yeah, yeah. but my point but is, but once that, the practices yeah. begin, he might be like, "Holy right. crap, this guy twenty is special." I know it's not, but my point is, it's not like he practiced with Brees all the last month and then it's like we need Dalvin Cook. That would yeah. probably be. Oh, that would be more like, yes, your point would be be probably more valid if that was the case. Like, wait, no, we need to. Yeah. He's been practicing with, you know, Michael Carter and the heartbeat of the the team. And Michael Carter's like, bam, night. That's tough. That's tough. Catching shrapnel. Yeah. Someone's someone's going to, someone's getting traded or cut from that backfield. Most likely you think you're going to carry five tailbacks. I do not. No, I I think someone's right. I think uh, Michael Carter would be available if you are a team that needs some backfield depth. We always see like half a dozen running backs switch teams on the waiver wire at the end of this month as teams go from 90 to 53 players. Only thing I'll say about this Jets offense now, super excited about them. A lot of positivity. That offensive line, though, that's the only thing that can hold this team back because, yeah, man, is that man is that a very precarious spot. As And by the way, as I say this with my Twitter mach- X open, Rich Samini, who covers the Jets for us, does a great job. Yep. Left tackle Max, Max Mitchell. By the way, he's playing left tackle now. Uh, went down. This is during practice. Uh-oh. Went down grabbing his back. He went out and was replaced by Greg Sanat for a play. And then Makai Becton. So uh, offensive line depth is a real concern for the Jets this year. Just talked about this on uh, on the radio. Uh, yeah, Makai Becton has barely played the last two seasons. And Dwayne Brown's pretty solid, but he's, what, 38? 39 like so i'll give you some max yeah. what i'd give i'll give you solid more than pretty solid, solid. yeah but solid. i mean yeah uh, but yeah. my point is I, I agree you know that's uh, offensive tackle is a big red flag with that that offense yeah. i am really excited to see where both ramondre stevenson and Brees hall go in tonight's draft 7 to 10 p.m mm-hmm. on espn for the fantasy football marathon going to be a ton of fun and i think this is one of those conversations where it's going to take a while yeah. for the adp to sort of settle out based on where the community sees these guys totally. we'll set that AP, adp tonight that's right we're right. set it tonight hey, the biggest winner from these two moves yesterday has not been revealed yet it's coming up soon on the show okay. oh i like that field all right let's dive into the nfc east we're going to talk the philadelphia eagles mike we're going to start with your team how does that sound i wore i plan to wear this shirt before i even realize we were talking about them i mean yes. no i mean i was way, i don't way even know what you're talking about i planned about. ahead for sure <laughs> <laughs> mike wearing an aj brown shirt wow. love that wow. from anita marks she's wow. in they the draft tonight 14 and 3 last year Free obviously train. made it to the super bowl plus 133 point differential everything 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 happened because jalen hurts turned into a freaking superstar field jates how soon is too soon to draft jalen hurts in fantasy i think probably go higher in terms of adp than where i have him ranked but i just want to remind people the same conversation we had surrounding patrick Mahomes and josh allen i have them as 27 28 and 29 on my overall big board they will probably go a little bit ahead of that uh but you know if you take jalen hurts with the 22nd pick i am not going to be too bothered by your selection he was the highest scoring quarterback on a points per game basis Mm, last year he could continue to get even better as we know if you quarterbacks offer as much dual threat upside as Jalen Hurts. Yeah, 20 carries inside the five. Only one player had more than that, Daniel. Jamal. Jamal! Yeah, he had a huge edge in that department, but Hurts second and I would have been more nervous about Hurts this year if they changed the rule with pushing the quarterback in the end. So they did not change that rule, so uh, I fully expect him to push for double-digit touchdowns on the ground yep. on top of what he's going to do through the air. He oh, was yeah, fifth, because he was we'll fifth, talk about that backfield in a bit. Yeah. yeah, he was fifth in yards per pass attempt last year on top of all the things he did as a rusher. He's, that was, he's legit. That was one of the things that I wanted to say. He set career highs in passing yards, passing touchdowns, completion percentage. He was at his lowest off-target percentage of his year, the best touchdown-to-interception ratio. None of those are even the rushing stats. Yeah. Those are just him getting better as a quarterback with his arm. Like He was just unreal. So okay. if Let's you're going to take him, you yeah. got to grab him in the second round. He's probably not going to make it to you in the third. Yeah. And this is, again, this is why I will end up with more exposure to the likes of Lamar Jackson, some of the later fields who are going three, four, five rounds later, but still think, I think have, you know, maybe 90% of the upside of somebody like uh, Jalen hurts. All right. So obviously Jalen hurts took that step forward. Both of his wide receivers were fantastic field. 
Can you have A.J. Brown still be in the tier one conversation, even though Devonta Smith is playing right next to him at such an elite level? So I think it depends on where you define the end of your first tier. For me, A.J. Brown is not in that first tier, which is the likes of obviously Justin Jefferson and Cooper Cup, Jamar Chase, Tyreek Hill. I would even throw Devontae Devontae Adams Adams in there. And here's the reason why. And I'll let Mike probably paint this by the numbers a little bit better. If you go look and we are obviously nitpicking when we're talking about elite, elite players. But if you just go look at the overall catch volume for A.J. Brown relative to those guys, it was 88 catches for A.J. Brown last year, up over 100 for the likes of Jefferson and Hill and Chase if you extrapolate it over a full season. So slightly less volume for A.J. Brown mm-hmm. in terms of total number of catches, in part because he's probably the most vertically inclined out of all these elite receivers. Mm-hmm. And even though Jalen Hurts was so improved last year, I don't care if you're the greatest quarterback of all time, it's harder to complete passes further down the field than it is those layups near the line of scrimmage, mm-hmm. Mike. Yeah, I agree 100%. Uh, Brown is super reliant on elite efficiency, yep. and he's a very good player, and that's fine. But how often do you look through Bach, you know, year-after-year stat lines of players and see 99th percentile efficiency every single year, right? Probably when These I look guys at Tyler Lockett's box score. Yeah, that's like pretty much it. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's pretty rare. Even he has you know some dips and, and such. But uh, that's my only concern that kind of separates him from the elite, and I think sure. he's slightly overdrafted just by a few spots. Also... Uh, Devontae Smith last year had more catches and actually after week one, remember like Devontae was really mm-hmm. quiet. Week one. Yeah. After week one, AJ or uh, Smith had more targets the rest of the season yeah. as well. So both of the guys, these guys will be fine. They're both top 15 options, but yeah, I, there's a couple of guys I would take over Brown, including Amon Ross St. Brown and, uh, and Garrett Wilson as well. I yeah. would go over AJ Brown. Uh, but, so if you look at the four receivers last year that had at least 10 receiving touchdowns, AJ Brown, Devontae Adams, Stephon Diggs. And I said receivers, but I meant to include uh, Travis, Travis Kelsey, Kelsey, who I yes. guess That's probably fair. can be yeah. folded into every stat. <laughs> Travis Kelsey, 110 catches. Stephon Diggs, 108 catches. Devontae Adams, 100 catches. AJ Brown, 88. So, mm-hmm. like, you know, again, these are elite, elite players. Uh, but if you're trying to break the tie between an Amon Ross St. Brown or somebody else that you have in that, you know, wide receiver 7, 8, 9 range, maybe a Garrett Wilson, you might think they have a better chance to catch 100 or 110 passes this year than AJ Brown mm-hmm. does. Yep. Mike. What am I going to do in this backfield? This when is I'm the most important question with the Eagles, right? I have no idea how to handle these running backs. Yeah, it's uh, it's super tricky because now there's reports that Kenny Gainwell could be the 1A and then there's a 1B and then there's a 1C mm. and then there's a 1D. Maybe a 1E. That? Like Maybe. I, I want to buy into the Kenny Gainwell because I, I have on one of my dynasty rosters. I just don't know how I... I don't think so as as the one. I don't think so okay. as like the lead back, but could this be a three-man backfield that also uses Boston Scott when they play the Giants? That sounds like a four-man backfield. Let's, yeah, stop just, it. When they play the Giants. That's what's important here, Mike, <laughs> yeah. is that you know all of a sudden Kenneth Gainwell has become the trendy late-round flyer to take in mm-hmm. your drafts. Mm-hmm. He has played 33 career games as Kenneth Gainwell. He has 11 games with one or zero rushing attempts. That's not good. You really think a guy that in a third of his career games is all of a sudden going to become, has, has had one or fewer rushing attempts, is all of a sudden going to become a workhorse to the point no. where he factors in week over week over week in fantasy? His legs are fresh. My belief, oh yeah. <laughs> My belief is no. So if you sort of take this a big step back, because it's not really about whether Kenneth Gainwell plays like, you know, more snaps than you might forecast right now. It's about whether any Eagles running back plays enough snaps to merit weekly lineup consideration. Mm-hmm. It sounds like all three of these guys, Kenneth Gainwell and and DeAndre Swift and also Rashad Penny, if healthy, are going to have a legitimate role. The question then becomes, how much value do you place on these players and what is most valuable to you? Is it just pedigree and talent? If that's the answer, then I think it's a Rashad Penny versus DeAndre Swift question. If it's most likely to have a consistent role, it might be Kenneth Gainwell, but that role might be tiny week over week over week. So I think this one comes down to like just sort of going with your gut and your instinct on the talent. Because if I think if I had to choose one of these three guys, despite the training camp reports, it's still pretty clearly DeAndre Swift. Yeah. And I had, I agree. And I have him 31st, right. You know, so because there's some mitigating factors with him too. Yeah, there absolutely are. I will say this about Kenny Gamewell. Sometimes a guy just breaks out right. And in the playoffs last year, I think this would surprise people. It surprised me how how high the number was. He had 40 touches in three playoff games, over 236 yards, but, but, yeah. First two games where most of that work came. Yeah. 
complete blowout. Yeah, that, uh, yeah, that's a fair point. Totally he fair point. But his dominated the second half of the Giants in the 49ers playoff games. But yeah, but the point is, like, he played well, and sure. they could yeah. say, all right, we're going to guess we brought in these two guys. He's at least going to have a role, right? It might be six to eight touches a game. Right. That's big. That's substantial if it's yeah. taken away from these other two guys. So that's what I think he will have a role, but I think they use all three. It could be like one of those, like, like, um, classic New England Patriots backfield totally. just all out there. Yeah. One guy is a two touchdown game. Then the next week has nothing. So yeah, I don't really, I want to, I don't want to start any of these guys, right, but if I do. had to pick one, it would be Swift. And DeAndre, oh, go ahead, DeAndre Swift coming off the board in the 10th round as running back 30. Yeah, it's all fine. Like at that, at that point, the price is totally fair, right? If he was Justifying. going where he was right when he got traded to the Eagles, a lot of people were saying, I think present company included, like, you know, potential top 20 ish running back. Like that seems too optimistic right now, based off of how the preseason utilization has shaken out. And one thing that I've thought about more and more with DeAndre Swift is that his, I mean, that he has, I think, a lot of superpowers, but perhaps his greatest superpower as a running back is his pass catching prowess, right? Mm-hmm. He just dominated for the Lions as a pass catcher. Last season, I will give you a I'll give you guys a guess. There were two teams who were tied for dead last in terms of fewest targets to running backs. Who do you think those two teams were? Ravens, Eagles. Uh, you have half of the equation uh, correct. Wow, that's pretty good. But you're in you're, you're you are swimming in the right part of the pool. I'm going to say Ravens and um, you know, I'm going to say Eagles and Bears. Uh, you are right. There Eagles it is. And Bears, right? So yeah, we've been talking about this quite a bit. I'm is, the stat guy now. Yeah, we have, duh. Uh, quarterbacks who run don't tend to target running backs mm-hmm. nearly as mm-hmm. much. So DeAndre Swift's passing game utilization could go down. He could be playing 35, 40% of the snaps in some games. And they have arguably a top five goal line rusher in the NFL at quarterback. Mm-hmm. So the path for DeAndre Swift to have a weekly role, pretty cloudy right now. Also, and I realize Rashad Penny, huge injury history. But if Rashad Penny was healthy in this offense, we've seen him be unreal as a running back in a, with a small sample size. Another guy going super late, basically free in drafts if you want to take a shot at a running back late. Literally, literally leads the NFL in yards per carry since he was drafted. Yeah. Leads all running backs. He has been really effective. He just can't stay on the field. And that's another reason. It's good for the Eagles to have all this depth, right? Because Swift yes. has missed a lot of time. Penny's yep. missed a lot of time. Gainwell, by the way, is 191 pounds. So he's not going to be a feature back. He'll always be a committee 191. Back. Like, I just don't think <clears throat> yep. if he breaks out, it's very relative. Yep. Mike, he has, I think, 55 and 53 carries in his first two seasons. Yep. Like, if he breaks out, he might have 80 carries this year. I agree. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. He's going to be more of a nuisance than a, a weekly fantasy starter. That's how I feel, too. Yeah. Boston Scott is going <laughs> to get a, an occasional touch here or there. He could be a healthy scratch. They could, yeah. they could wave him. It's possible. Uh, and also, they remember, you're going to think I'm going deep here. Uh-oh. Don't they do kept, it. Don't do it. They kept Trey Sermon on the on the roster they all did last year. year. I know. All, and there's still a lot of hype there. He was a date, you know, a date was a third they round do. pick. pick. They yeah. Third round pick a couple of years ago. So it's a situation to monitor. Do we have an obligation to just mention that there is a possibility, even if it's extremely remote, that if Rashad Penny gets the Miles Sanders role, he could absolutely mash this year. Yes. Oh, right? No question. So yeah. uh, I feel like it's a responsibility to mention that when you're discussing the Eagles backfield, yep. because great offensive line, Mike mentioned his efficiency as a runner, and while he doesn't get a lot of passing game utilization, neither do Miles Sanders, and he had over 1,200 rushing yards and 10 rushing touchdowns last season. That's right. Do you think there's any chance Penny's cut? Any chance? Um, nothing would surprise me with Philadelphia because yeah. they're the Eagles. I would think probably not, unless unless like the have the training camp reports been that damning about Rashad no, I, Penny? No, I don't think so. But okay. I've yeah. I've seen you know I I think I saw 153 projection that did not have him on it. Okay, just say, yeah. <clears throat> excuse me. They have all these other names there, so. I don't know. I'd be sh- I'd be shocked as well. Yeah, I'd be shocked. As well. All right, let's talk He's about. He's like going to get cut tomorrow. We'd be like, Stop. That would be show. terrible. <laughs> I told you, sir. Freaking Mike. All right. All right, Dallas Cowboys in 2022. They were 12 and five with a plus 125 point differential. This offense was insane. And they but, fired their offensive. Coordinator. And then they let go of their <laughs> offensive coordinator. Yes. And now I'm excited to see. I'm maybe excited is not the right word. No, I am. But. Dak Prescott, quarterback 14 last year in fantasy points per game. Obviously, we just talked about lost Kellen Moore, who's the guy that did a lot of this for them. So, Field, when you're looking at Dak, do you think that he can bounce back this season into more of a top 10 where we've seen him in the past? I think it's possible. Now, I have him outside my top 10 because there is good quarterback depth mm-hmm. this season. But the Cowboys' actions and their words do not align right now. They keep talking about how they want to run the football more and more and more. And yet, this is a team who this offseason 
traded for Mike, uh, traded for Brandon Cooks. Michael Gallup coming uh, back from the ACL a year later should be a much more refined piece. They're at some point going to give CeeDee Lamb all kinds of money. Mm-hmm. By the way, they have Tony Pollard, who they did franchise tag, but they have not really addressed the running back spot beyond Tony Pollard. It sounds like this is a team that wants to throw the football a whole lot, and while Mike McCarthy has this sort of gruff personality about him that tends to be the kind that you see from a coach who wants to run the damn ball, Go back and check his Green Bay passing uh, Green Bay passing stats because Mike he was extremely pass happy during yeah, his Packers tenure. I have a couple numbers for you on that. So the up. Cowboys last year were two, who were too pass heavy, right? Yes, fifty five percent of the time they called pass, right? Yeah. Wow. Green Bay was at sixty five percent during his last eight seasons in yeah. Green Bay. They were never under sixty. Yeah, they were fifty five last year in yeah. Dallas, and so it's it's bizarre. I don't really know what they're thinking. There, and again, we talked about this. We think it's what you missed a great opportunity. Oh but no, they were at what last year the Cowboys were. They were at 55. 55! <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. Stop, 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 stop. I'm going to try to do a thing. I'm trying to I'm do a thing right something. now. I'm doing something. I'm doing something. But yes, I, I think there's a chance that Dak Prescott does, does bounce back because I think they will throw the football a whole lot more this year. He has really good weapons. Obviously, a great offensive line. And I think uh, we were doing this recently um, with somebody asking who is like, which uh, sample size is more representative, the one that's for one year or the one that's for five or six years. Mm-hmm. And Dak had been one of the steadiest quarterbacks in fantasy football for quite some time. I think the upside, though, might be a tad limited by one very notable change in Dak's game over the past three seasons, which is that Dak is now just a pocket passer. He does right. not run. Over the past three years, 93 rushing yards, 146, 182. Some perspective in his first four seasons, he had at least 277, and that included 21 rushing touchdowns in his wow. first four years. At least 277, mm-hmm. and what were the last couple numbers you said? Uh, 21 total rushing touchdowns in his first four seasons. Wow. So Dak, to me, has a slightly high, lower ceiling than he used to, which is why I have him as quarterback 12. Yeah, speaking totally of which, only two top eights last year. Yeah. And yeah, uh, rough go incredible that he had 15 interceptions. He missed five games. He led the NFL in interceptions. Mm-hmm. That has to be fixed. Yep, definitely does. Yesterday, I think, was like an incredible day for Tony Pollard. Zach Martin got a new deal, right? Yeah. He got his offensive lineman back. You love to be able to see that. Ezekiel Elliott signed with the New England Patriots. It's like everything that we've been hoping for in fantasy of give Tony Pollard this job to himself. It felt like it's happened now. So Biggest winner of the day yesterday, Mike, right? Yeah, I think so. Uh, the Cowboys running backs, to your point last year, first in carries and touches. Yeah. And now it's him and Malik Davis, yeah. like Deuce Vaughn, yeah. Ro- Rojo, Ronald Jones after, Rojo. after his suspension ends. I Seriously. mean, they could I mean, they could go out and and give Kareem Hunt a workout today and sign him. I don't think it matters at this point. I don't think there's yeah. anyone out there that's really going to pull enough away from Tony Pollard to make him not an RB. OK, so, so I want to I want to okay. ask this question. No, really go for it. Yeah, yeah. If that's what this is understanding there's no competition in this offense and we loved what he did last year and how efficient he was. How high is too high for Tony Pollard in the running back position? I think anything higher than probably running back five is pushing it. But I do wonder if we are missing the most obvious breakthrough candidate right underneath our nose amongst running backs, right? Because like, I think the biggest mitigating factor for Tony Pollard would be in prior years because of Zeke's presence and because of some of the things that the Cowboys coaches talked about, they wanted to be judicious yep. with Tony Pollard's workload. And let's go ahead and take, I'm going to pull up his career carries uh, by season, because this is not Zeke Elliott in terms of like rushing attempts year yeah. over year over year. But uh, let me, sorry. I'm, I'm, That's dude, all right. This is great. This is one of those I want to hear this because right? I have a Marby six. So okay. I think we're, you know, I, I want to ask you while no, no, Phil's no, looking at that. Okay. So let me get this for you. Well, while he's 86, looking, 101, yeah. 130 and 193 carries season by season for Tony Pollard. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I think there, so let's say that number explodes to what we saw from Austin Eckler in recent years, which is career high in rushing attempts over each of the past two seasons. If that number goes to 250 and Tony Pollard also gets more like 55 or 60 receptions yep. and keeps close to not the exact same, but close to the same efficiency he's had so far in his career. It's the most obvious breakthrough candidate who could be a top five, six running back. If things shake out in all the, in the, in the entire league right now, okay, if he gets that, he might be number one, the number totally. one overall scorer running yeah. back. If he gets two fifty and and 50 or 60 catches with that efficiency, absolutely. 5.1 yards per carry for his career. Oh yeah. 8.3 yards per reception for his career. I think that yards per reception is one of those numbers. That's harder to contextualize for running backs because wait, 8.3. That sounds yeah. bad. No, that's very, very good for a running back. We see so many running backs who are more like between five and six and a half yards because a lot of their work is simply dump off stuff. The question that Tony Pollard has to answer 
is just can he keep that efficiency up? Because it's really easy to be as explosive as he has been when you are constantly fresh. Yeah. And yeah. he will not be as fresh this year if he has seen the Brock 20 times a game. But it feels like this is a situation where even if the efficiency regresses a little bit, that increase in volume is mm-hmm. going to totally wash everything. It. Yeah. yeah, no doubt. He's legit. I mean, when he came in, the thought was, all right, fourth round pick. This is a guy probably not going to be a feature back. Just a good compliment for Zeke and just never really going to be a lead back. Uh, does he have the size? Does he have the strength? He literally is first in yards after contact per attempt since he was drafted. No way. Like, he, you see, he delivers in all areas. And to your point, I'm receiving top 10 in yards per target each of the last two seasons. So elite efficiency as a rusher, outstanding efficiency as a receiver. He's he's the real deal. I'm an RB6. 9.5 yeah. yards per catch last year. Yeah. 9.5. That's, That's a crazy. massive number. Like, I should I should have had this looked up already. But like if you go to compare him versus somebody like some of the other running backs that are in the uh, top echelon of pass catchers, dude, 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 dude. Christian McCaffrey, eight points of seven. So nearly a full yard more than Christian McCaffrey. Austin Eckler, six point seven, nearly three yards more. Now, those guys wow. have way more volume, obviously. But just to give you a sense of how gifted Tony Pollard is as a pass catcher. A question not about Tony Pollard, but just about the running back situation right now. We all have him as a running back six. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you knew Jonathan Taylor was going to play a full season and you knew that Josh Jacobs was healthy and was going to play a full season, would he rank behind those two guys? Or do you think now with this situation that he's got, he would still move up potentially above those two running backs? I could make a case for him over Jonathan Taylor and mm-hmm. Josh Jacobs. I could. Yeah, that's a, it's that's, really close. That's a very, certainly on a tier together. Yeah. I agree. I think I would still lean Pollard. I mean, we have the information we need at hand right, right now. Anyway, right now so, we do. Yep. Uh, and again, especially, you know, Pollard's the guy whose role should increase. Jacobs is probably going to have a, Fewer touches this year, probably substantially fewer yep. after 300 plus carry season. So, yeah, I, I feel better. I think it'd just be like feel better about this squad with Pollard over yep. a guy coming off a yep. season like that. Way better offense, obviously, than Indianapolis, we think, and probably yeah. Las Vegas as well. And I think with Jonathan Taylor, if he's back with the Colts, somehow they get this mm-hmm. all figured out. The question will be, is this the Philadelphia offense where the quarterback is your best goal line runner? Yeah, which might be the case with Anthony Richardson. Yep. Mm-hmm. And as we talked about. With a great running quarterback, targets is yeah. he going to target Jonathan Taylor that much in the passing game? Last year, we tried to make Michael Gallup happen as the wide receiver two in this offense. Didn't really work out. Now they've got Brandon Cooks, Mike. Yeah. Is there a chance that Brandon Cooks is somebody that we could actually use in fantasy this year? I love Brandon Cooks. I, he's the guy. He's on that short list. I should do like yeah, so an you're article. The one, like an because all, you're the only I'm person the only that one. actually loves him because he gets <laughs> traded every seven minutes. I know, right? It's it's incredible. He's played with some good quarterbacks over the years, though. Great uh, quarterbacks. And now another good one in, yeah. in Dak Prescott. But I, he's one of those guys in the projections that just shows up higher, and he sticks out like a sore thumb when I'm on the clock all the time. And I draft him a lot uh look he's finished 23rd or better in fantasy points per game Mm -hmm. in seven of his nine seasons uh it's been a while since he scored a lot of touchdowns but he's only 29 right it's not like we're talking about a 33 year old how is that possible uh, i know i don't know was he 19 when he came in the league seems like it wow incredible so crazy there's room for a second receiver here and maybe three receivers to be top 35 40 we've seen that plenty of times in good offenses over the years yeah I, i feel like he's just um mike laid it all out there for you i think with brandon cooks like Feels like uh, we always talk about wide range of outcomes in fantasy. Mm-hmm. Feels like Brandon Cooks has like a fairly narrow range of outcomes here, right? If, mm-hmm. if he plays the role that we expect him to play in a fairly pass-heavy offense, wouldn't surprise me if he pushes for like 75, 80 catches, 1,000 to 100 receiving yards. He's never had 10 receiving touchdowns in a season, mm-hmm. never had more than 90 catches in a season, but he has been about as steady as it comes when competent quarter play has been, quarterback play has been available. Obviously, last year was a tougher season in Houston, and then he kind of went AWOL from the franchise late in the year. I should have yeah. looked this up before the show, but okay. is this a... You're the stats guy. So you I know, I'm the yeah. stats guy. Uh, is, this, is he playing against or opposite of the best wide receiver he's ever played against in his career. Who else has he had Hopkins. on the other he's side? With, oh, uh, he did. He have Hopkins. Hopkins. Yeah. yeah, he did play uh, with Who's Cooper Cup in, in L.A. Both Edelman. He had Gronk. Was Cooper like, Cup, Cooper Cup by the time that he was there? No, that was early formed. Cooper no, Cup. Yeah. Colston, and, Colston, Colston yeah. and Cooks, I think, in New he's Orleans. Almost, so I guess the, the answer is like he's always played with like just good players. Good guys around, around him. I don't think he played with Hopkins in Houston, though, now that I think about it. Was it? Because remember, he got traded there after the Hopkins trade for David Johnson. So CeeDee Lamb might be the best wide receiver on the other side that he has played with. Maybe, I'm but def- definitely some good ones, though. But oh, uh, yeah. I hear you. Yeah, I mean, if, if look, if you're going to shadow somebody hey. when there's two receivers on the field, it's going to be Lamb, right? You're going to put the one on Lamb. Jake Ferguson, tight end sleeper. Hold on now. Before you do that. Uh-oh. Matthew, if you're out there watching and Uh-oh. listening. All right. We just want you to know we're paying homage right now with that random tight end. <laughs> Shout out Jake Ferguson. That's right. <laughs> That's right. 
Uh, yes, I think, you know, Dal- look, Dalton Schultz has been top 10 the last yeah. two years and no one, you know, we don't look at him and say, well, this is, you know, mid round pick where, you know, he's going to be a, a fantasy star, yeah. fan- uh, must start in fantasy. Dallas kind of made him right. Dalton Schultz. And yep. he got a good payday. Not, not to say he didn't earn it. He's a good player, good player uh, but sure. Ferguson is in his second year. Yeah. He had, he had two games where last year where Schultz was out. One of them was a really good fantasy day. Yep. Uh, and he's winning the one job. So yep. if he plays and he's the one all year, yeah. If, if you told me right now, he's going to finish tight end. 13. Yeah. One surprise me at all in this Cowboys offense because they tend to utilize that, that number one uh, tight end played a hundred percent of the snaps with the starters in the Cowboys most recent preseason game. Uh, the mm-hmm. only thing that I have my eyes on here for Jake Ferguson is that they did use a second round pick on Luke Schoonmaker who mm-hmm. missed early portions of training camp due to injury. It could be that Schoonmaker will catch up to Ferguson. I mean, he's a second round pick, right? Um, but yeah, right now, I mean, if you're looking for uh, random tight ends that are being ranked outside the top 15 or 20 who could have a legitimate impact, Jake Ferguson does fit the bill. Yeah, year two. That's the the leap year for a lot of positions, but tight end and quarterback especially. Yep. All right, we're talking Giants and Commanders when we come back. But first, Field Yates. Tell us about our friends over at Geico. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? You know I need to. Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more. And Geico is an easy choice. Uh, it's Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to geico.com or contact your local agent today. What's a summer memory that you'll never forget? Hanging out with Mike Clay. You know the ones that make days in the pool. What? Wow. You know what? It's easy to feel nostalgic in the summertime, especially when you've got a beer in your hand. I was going to say with a Miller Lite. Why did I not know this read was coming? But not just any beer. Miller Lite is the 96 calorie beer that tastes like beer and is perfectly brewed for bonfire stories and making memories with Mike Clay. Make unforgettable summer memories with Miller Lite, whether you're spending long afternoons behind the grill, waiting out a rainstorm at your favorite bar, or telling old stories to the soundtrack of a crackling bonfire. Live those summer moments with Miller Lite. Because when it's summertime... It tastes like Miller time. Get Miller Lite delivered right to your door. Visit MillerLite.com slash FFF, or you can find it pretty much anywhere they sell beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 96 calories and 3.2 carbs per 12 freaking ounces. What uh, band are you listening to at the campfire? That is a great question. I think at the bonfire, I think Boney Vare would be a really good one. Kind of like a a, a nice vibe. So here's the thing. thing. I'm like, I'm proud of myself because I have heard of Boney Vare, but I'm not going to lie to you. I thought it was Bon Iver for many years. <laughs> I oh. Yeah, I, I see it on the Taylor Swift song. What do they sing together? I, I'm not sure. It's, it's, now I'm you not, know more than I do. I'm not a Taylor Swift. Uh, I'm not as big of a Swift well, as you know I need to be. You know, you know who would know the answer to that? Who? Liz, Liz Loza. Loza, who Liz was dropping Taylor everything. Swift heat. Taylor, Liz oh, Loza. Man, that was impressive. That came Make, out of nowhere. Yeah, I didn't know that was Yeah, very impressive. Liz Loza will be joining the Fantasy Focus tomorrow. Heck yeah. Mm. All right, let's talk about these giants, guys. Mm, let's do it. Nine, seven, and one last year. Got in that very important tie, which we always love. Minus six-point differential. We came into the season having our running back situation be impacted by all the things that we've talked about, right? Mm -hmm. Running backs not happy with the course of their contracts and where things are at. Saquon got his deal figured out field. He's not on the franchise tag. He signed a one-year deal for a little bit more money than what he would have made on the franchise tag. If he hits incentives. So does this mean that I can feel comfortable now drafting Saquon because this is behind us? Or is there still something for me to worry about? I, I, I am still befuddled as to why Saquon accepted just that as like part of this deal. Extra more. If he hits all these incentives and the Giants make the playoffs, by the way. So Oof. it's a not that much upside and he has to ball out. And by the way, he agreed to it. Right at the beginning of training camp. Why not take the month off and go live your life and then come back at the end of training camp like Jonathan, excuse me, like Josh Jacobs might do. Maybe even Jonathan Taylor. That's a different conversation, though, for a different podcast. Um, I'll tell you what, though. It gives you some security in drafting Saquon Barkley because it feels like things are kind of hunky-dory now between he and the organization. And the focus for Saquon is having a great year and parlaying another great great year into a multi-year deal. And... Just a terrific bounce back season for Saquon Barkley. He deserved it. I was amongst the people that was a little bit nervous going into last year, and he balled out. Incredible runner, great pass catcher as well, and the piston for an offense that wasn't great, but without him, they would be completely lost. And while they did add a bunch of pass catchers, other than Darren Waller, I'm not sure there was like a massive Mm -hmm. impact wide receiver that they added. So Saquon should be kind of what he was last year, Mike. 
Yeah, for the most part. What well, what he was last year was there was kind of a split, right? He was RB three the first ten weeks of the season. Yeah. with the elite running back bounce yep. back was terrific, but then he kind of leveled back off to where he was the year before when we thought it was just injuries and mm-hmm. that was limiting him. Uh, he was actually RB twelve from week eleven on, so he just wasn't kind of delivering that high ceiling that we had earlier in the Wait, season. RB twelve, we called week eleven. But our, uh, from week uh, eleven on, he was RB twelve. Okay, so not yeah. terrible though. But yeah, just no, not certainly not awful. Yeah. But the question here, we're talking about taking him in the middle of the first round here, right? right. Yeah. So right. is he going to totally deliver that, yep. or is yep. he going to be a fringe RB one? Sure, I would lean towards the RB one status because of the volume, right? Yeah. He he led all running backs in snaps last year and was top five in pretty much every category. We expect that to continue to be the case. Uh, and also you can get picky about his efficiency. He has pedestrian efficiency in his career. Mm-hmm. Just call what it is. You know, it's, it's, it's hard to say that because everyone's like, what? It's Saquon Barkley. Like he's a superstar, obviously, but he doesn't have the efficiency metrics of other top running backs. And that's, uh, it's okay. As long as you're getting elite volume, if you're not, it's, it can be problematic. Is that because the giants just haven't had anybody to take pressure away from Saquon? People are just stacking boxes against him basically his entire career. A little bit. I, I, yeah, maybe a little bit, but. He doesn't. He also doesn't have competition for touches. So that is true. There's no one else. You know, if he averages 3.9 yards per carry this season, but gets the same volume, it's fine, right? He's gonna. Uh, he's still going to be a, a terrific fantasy option. It's all about volume at running back. One of my favorite, and by favorite, I mean my least favorite things <laughs> that we have to do in our job is, is is point out like you know sort of warts on players right. that are elite at their position. If there was a criticism of a of Saquon Barkley as a runner, at least early on in his career, it was a lot of like home run mm-hmm. or like you know get stuffed at line of scrimmage because he was looking for that home run, which I think might be one of the contributing factors to that uh, relatively, relatively uh, unimpressive efficiency compared to some of the other top players mm-hmm. at this spot. But yes, Mike, to Mike's point, uh, 5.0 yards per carry as a rookie, 4.6, 1.8, 3.7, and then 4.4 that season in 2020 when he averaged 1.8 yards per carry, obviously dramatically impacted by being a small sample size and playing behind a bad offensive line. A little bit of Barry Sanders in his game when you talk about that. Might have, you know, four runs for negative two yards, and then he's trying to break one big, but, you know, Barry just did it. What's the expression? Like, you're looking for pimples at a beauty contest, right? Like, it's not like... Yeah, Dick yeah, Barkley, he rules. Right. I mean, last night on FF Now, you'd at, you asked me, like, Christian McCaffrey or Austin Eckler. I had to pick them apart, oh, too, yeah, right? So, right. so, yeah. you, so you to, you're on the clock making <laughs> yeah. that decision, it's right? Hard. Sometimes yeah. you got to sort through sort through a lot of good players. Is the next running back that is going to take touches away from Saquon Barkley actually a quarterback in this offense? Yeah. Yes, Probably. it is. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, it so is. Last year, he was quarterback 10. How much higher? Does Daniel Jones have more juice in his game to potentially get better even this year? Well, the Giants think so. Yeah. Four years, uh, was it four years, $160 million extension for a team. You know, he's been the quarterback the last several seasons. He's over the last three years, the Giants are dead last in passing touchdowns. He only Mm -hmm. had 15 last year, but he did have 24 in his rookie year. So we've seen that was one of the best touchdown performances we ever have ever seen from a rookie quarterback in terms of passing touchdowns. So uh, I, he obviously has it in him and he has better skill guys now with Paris Campbell and of course, Darren Waller. So I'm optimistic that he will increase on that number, be closer to maybe in the maybe in the low twenty. You see it there. I have him from fifteen up to twenty this season. Uh, the question with Jones though is, is he is have we seen what he is, or can Brian Dable have him make that Josh Allen leap because yep. he can run the ball great? If yeah, he can get yeah. the passing going, can Jones be a top five fantasy quarterback? He's one of the few guys in this range where you're like, maybe like there's at least a there's a range of outcomes where he can make that leap. You know what's so funny, Mike. I think people listening to this podcast and people that play fantasy football in general probably like are a little like kind of like queasy when they hear that. Like, oh, Daniel Jones could be a top five fantasy quarterback because there's like a stigma, like a reputation Mm -hmm. for Daniel Jones that was earned over those first three seasons. But it does not have to be pretty to end up being elite production. And with Daniel Jones, I'm glad you mentioned the Brian Dayball factor. One thing about Brian Dayball that was clear during his time in Buffalo is that even though maybe it would be in the best long-term interest of the Buffalo Bills to not have Josh Allen run as much, he was going to run that bad boy into the ground, right? He was like, he is our best goal line threat. Yep. He's an incredible runner. He is a math advantage for us when we, no matter where we are in the field, like you have to account for Josh in a way that you don't other quarterbacks who can't run. Brian Dayball took advantage of that. So even with better weapons this year, I still expect Daniel Jones to be a very involved runner. Will it be 120 carries like last season? Maybe not, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's 85 or 90, which means that you're going into every week with an advantage of like four or five points on the ground from Daniel Jones. If you expect improved passing efficiency, like Mike just referenced, 
I don't see any reason to believe why he can't be right around, right around where he was last season, which was on a points per game basis, a top 10 quarterback. Yeah. I'm with you on that. I like Daniel Jones this year. Somebody that I am, if I'm going to wait a little bit at the quarterback. Yeah, but position. here's the thing. Like again, I was doing get up this morning with Greeny okay. and he was, and he's a Jets fan, obviously. And he is all in on the Jets and Aaron Rodgers is like, you know, his favorite person in the world right now, perhaps other than his wife and children. And he was like bombastic over the idea that Aaron Rodgers could be 14th. And I think part of it is like, you have Aaron Rodgers behind Daniel Jones. And I'm not trying to single out Greeny in any way, shape or form, but I think there are people that are like, Danny Dimes ahead of Dak Prescott and Aaron Rodgers and Kirk Cousins, guys who, you know, you would trust mm-hmm. way more than Daniel Jones. Like, yeah. Yep. Yes. Yeah, correct. That's correct. This is fantasy football. Yeah. We're talking fantasy. Exactly. Correct. Yeah, 90 to 100 fantasy point difference just from rushing. Yeah. yeah. That, that's exactly right. Plus, that's a, that's yeah. exactly what I'm telling you. Like, so I know Daniel Jones might be one of those names that you draft them and you're kind of like, hmm, even when he's playing well, you're still like, am I sure that I'm going to get great production out of Daniel Jones? Well, last year showed us you can you can probably bet on it. And by the way, prior to last year, like he put it together last year, he had flash moments in the first three seasons of his career. Oh yeah, strictly for fantasy purposes, just for fantasy. Like that, it was sort of like how Justin Fields in his rookie season mm-hmm. had some flash moments as well. Yeah, you look at I would when I did radio, you guys talked about how you guys did really important stuff. I did radio this morning too. That's no important. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, cool. And as a part of thanks, Mike Clay. And as a part of talking about it, one yeah. of the things that we brought up, I talked about Anthony Richardson, who, by the way. A little bit of breaking news was just named the starter for the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, I talked about how Anthony Richardson. What? I had Ellinger my projections. Oh, for week that's one. tough. That's tough. I, 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 I did You were Minshew for Halloween and you yeah. didn't go with Minshew. Yeah, but I mean, did you watch Sam Ellinger last year? <laughs> he was, yes, not great. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's <laughs> yeah, not good. Yes, I did. Uh, Remember when Jim Mercer made them bench Matt Ryan from Sam Ellinger? Oh, stop. Wow. That seems like so long ago. It's yeah. incredible. Yeah. Yeah. As a part of talking about this, I had just, I had mentioned Anthony Richardson yeah. saying like Anthony Richardson can be a lot of things in fantasy. And they were like, what are you talking about, Anthony Richardson? And it's like, guys, Sometimes you got to remember we're talking about fantasy. Remember when Blake Bortles, we talk about this all the time. Blake Bortles was a decent fantasy quarterback because of all the garbage time Mm, that he got. You know what though, Daniel? Tell me. One of the hosts that you were doing the show with was the great, well, and and Matt Jones. And Matt Jones. uh, Who is, of course, the founder of Kentucky Sports Radio. Just a freaking massive success. Great dude. uh, Has, I mean, just had a ton of success in a lot of different ways. He's obviously a big Kentucky fan. Mm -hmm. And SEC fans don't get it with Anthony Richardson. Because in college, his one season, he was a roller coaster. But for the stuff that we care about, like rushing upside, perhaps no player to ever enter the NFL has been a more athletic player than Anthony Richardson. Totally. Yeah, he's the guy I'm afraid of. Like, I want to rank him like sixth and just be super high on him because even like the the preseason highlight where he threw the interception, I was like, did you see how fast he moved in the I pocket? Know, like, I that's know. not even it's fair. Tantalizing, like, he, right? Right. He's just going to be ripping off like 60 yard touchdown runs, and we're going to be like, we should have just. He's going to be so much fun to play with in Madden. By the way, that's I'm going to hate playing totally. against him <laughs> yeah. because it's that that rollout scramble is going to be terrible. Yeah. Uh, real quickly, last thing on the Giants. Any wide receivers that you feel comfortable drafting here, Field? Anybody that you, you want to take a shot at in fantasy? No, I don't have anybody inside my top 40 for the Giants receivers. Same. They kind of have a lot of guys that profile similarly. They have a lot of slot receivers. Isaiah Hodges was one of the great stories in the NFL late last season. But like, even when Hodgins was playing super effectively, it'd be like, all right, guys, got Isaiah Hodgins in my ranking. It's wide receiver 39 this week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think they are all uh, fairly low upside players. Uh, if I had to pick one, I would actually pick Paris Campbell. Yeah, me too. I think he's the most talented player of the group who got a real contract from the Giants this offseason. Yeah, and I, I agree. Just to add on to that, uh, Hodgson was 33rd in his eight full games last season. Now they added a whole bunch of other guys into the mix. They don't have to just rely on him yeah. for a big target share. And at some point this season, we're going to see some Sterling Shepard involvement. He should be ready for week one. But Wontail Robinson as well, who was a second round pick yep. last season. They also drafted Jalen yep. Hyde, whose role you would expect to increase. And that's on top of, of course, Barkley and Waller. So suddenly a lot of mouths to feed here. And Darren Waller is the pass catcher that we expect to be able to get the majority of the targets in yep. this offense. There's plenty of reason for optimism because of the wide receivers that you mentioned, Field. What's the old saying? The definition of insanity is doing the same, same thing, thing over and, and over and expecting different results. Yep. I feel like people are like kind of pushing back on my idea of loving Darren Wall this year because they feel like, what do you mean, man? Like he is the like, you know, more uh, potential than production. No, I get not. it. Last year was a down year. But like, have you seen Darren Waller like in mm-hmm. prior years when he was able to stay on the field? Last year was there are a couple of players who needed the change of scenery so badly this offseason. Darren Waller and Aaron Rodgers top the list. And the Giants best pass catcher by far right now is Darren Darren Waller. Waller. He has a chance to be the focal point of the passing game. Yep. 
wouldn't surprise me if he is one of the best value picks of any player going in the top 75 or so picks. Yeah, so uh, three and four years ago, he was a top three fantasy tight end, yeah. and then he's been he's dealt with injuries the last two seasons, but in all four of those seasons, when he was, he was top 10 in fantasy points per game. Yeah. He was always been a tight end one, so it's not potential over actual production. When he's played, he has delivered tight end one numbers, so, and, and now he's in a great situation here in New York, and he's healthy. Haters. So Haters. Much to love. I'm My favorite you. value, by the way, at tight end. My favorite target. All right, let's talk about the Commanders' last team here. They were 8-8-1 eight, eight and one as well with a negative 22-point differential. Field, either one of these Commanders running backs, do you have any any faith in them in fantasy this year? I don't think either of them is a startable player going into the season. Um, I think that I will rank them very close to each other. They offer very different paths to their fantasy success. Can we just unlock Antonio Gibson? Can we find a way to just make him be the guy that we all feel like he should be? In oh, fantasy? I don't think so. I mean, I yeah. think that, I mean, we could. I just think that it's pretty clear and a new coordinator can change things, but like they believe their guy as a runner is Brian Robinson. I mean, we saw that last season, right? Like the guy came back from literally getting shot multiple times and was I mean, literally and was a workhorse for them. Yep. Like pretty much right away. 214 yep. touches. Yeah. Pretty much right out of the gate. 12 games. Yeah. 12 games. So do a little bit of math. That's more than fifth. That's like 17, 18 per game mm-hmm. for Brian Robinson. The problem is minimal passing game utilization. Mm-hmm. Converse is, of course, Antonio Gibson, an awesome receiver. He played wide receiver in, in college. Yeah. We just haven't gotten it consistently enough. I know there's been some chatter about Eric Bieniemy kind of being more creative, maybe tapping into Antonio Gibson, a la Jarek McKinnon. Mike is like triggered when I say that because Jarek McKinnon kept scoring touchdowns last year. I know you can't actually take the touchdowns away, but it's not like if, if, if you cut Jarek McKinnon's touchdown production in half last year, you're still talking about like a guy that should not be in fantasy lineups consistently in 10 Mm -hmm. or 12 team leagues. So um, I would prefer Gibson over Robinson. Uh, I think though, the most likely outcome for either of them cracking the top 25 is if one of the other ones gets hurt. Yeah. We're all very close on our rankings here. I'll give you two numbers here. Last year, Brian Robinson in them 12 games, right over 200, 200 carries. Uh, 200 touches, excuse me, 11.9 fantasy points per game. That's 24th in yeah. running back. So again, like a flex at best. Antonio Gibson in six full games with Robinson and without J.D. McKissick. So he was okay. handling a pretty nice target share, 14% in those games, under 10 points per game, 9.3. Not startable, that. right? So nope. it just wasn't a good situation in that backfield. Uh, I think Gibson, I agree with Field Gibson as the higher ceiling of these two, but they're going to use them both. And and Robinson's going to get goal line and carries. I think it's kind of a toss up. These are guys you just kind of throw a mid ra- mid range dart at. If one gets hurt, the other one will be a starter. It's just they're not guys you're going to feel super great about putting in your flex each week. Yeah, it's um, it's. I just think that you are, and I, you know what, I'm going to bottle up this thought and just say that at some point over the next few weeks, it's probably worth having a conversation of like the backfields where they feel like traps more than opportunities to win your league because there are four or five or six every year where they either have too many players or they don't have a good enough player to produce a weekly top 20 to 25 option. And it feels like the commanders kind of scream that. Yeah. Yeah. Gibson's what this is your, is this year four? He is year a, four. Does he yeah. get an extension yet? So he's in a contract year. Uh, he is extension eligible, but does not yeah. yet have an extension. Yeah. Like, I, I think Washington, I've been drafting third this year. I think they're really going to struggle. I wonder if he's like a, a sneaky, sneaky trade, trade candidate, candidate at the deadline. Good one. Interesting. Yeah. Chris Rodriguez or some decent reports. There. That's actually interesting. You have him third in your draft projections. I think that commanders yeah, I think fans, struggle. and maybe, yeah. maybe they're just happy because they have a new owner finally, mm-hmm. but Really good defense. defense Eric good. Bieniemy yep. is certainly going to help mm-hmm. them on offense. But yeah, that, I well, mean, it, a lot of that too is what's the most important position in football. Of course, yeah. it's quarterback. Their offensive line's problematic as well. But that's it. I mean, when you have Sam Howell, you know they're putting a lot of eggs in that basket. And he's a long shot, right? So if I'm wrong and he plays well and he's even average, or they just found a, a hidden gem in the mid rounds, then I'm obviously going to be wrong. You know, they'll they'll be a 500 team most likely. That is the question for us. I know you're talking about regular football, mm-hmm. but even for us, can Sam Howell support the wide receivers in this offense for us as fantasy managers? I, what do you think? They have good three good receivers. They I mean, do. just get the ball in their hands. Uh, it's, it's tough for sure. It makes me a little bit nervous. Uh, I do take some solace in the fact that you know, they're they're just going to force feed those really the two guys, McLaurin and Dotson. Most likely they'll manufacture some touches for Curtis Samuel, but that's where all the volume should go yeah. to those guys. So and how looked OK in his one start last year, he did add a lot of value with his legs. Start, yeah, right? that's going to take like, some volume away. But but again, we've seen quarterbacks that aren't very good be you know, the, the receivers are fine because they get the volume. So as long as McLaurin and Jahan Dotson get target shares over 20 percent, they should be startable in fantasy. 
You feel that way about Dotson too? If he gets yeah, not, over not 20% as high. target share. Not as high. Yes. I mean, gotcha. I think it was, what was it? Six straight games or his last five games last season, he had a target share of at least 21% in all of them, including the Howell start. So as long as that continues, and remember he's a mid first round pick last year. Yeah. So yeah, we really would definitely player. expect that, uh, that to be possible. They should treat both of those two guys as essentially a one a and a one B. Yeah. I think the big question for Terry McLaurin uh, in terms of like where you have him relative to upside is he kind of has a DJ Moore profile to him in recent years, right? Mm-hmm. Like That's steady call. as they yeah, come. I like that. Look at his yards over the past three seasons. 1,118, 1,053, 1,191. Solid. Yep. Right? How about his touchdown production? Four, five, and five. That has nothing to do with Terry McLaurin, who might like be one of my five favorite players in the entire NFL. Mm-hmm. That's what happens when you play with what? 10 quarterbacks over the past three seasons, Daniel, 10 different quarterbacks over the last three seasons. They are not good quarterbacks. Can I list them? Please. Terry, uh, say Taylor Heineke, Dwayne Haskins, yep. Case Keenum, Carson Wentz, Alex Smith, Kyle Allen, Garrett Gilbert, Colt McCoy, Ryan Fitzpatrick, and now Sam Howell. Terry McLaurin has basically done it without like a legitimate half quarterback. Ryan Fitzpatrick too. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah, it's like, it's, uh, it's like Andre Johnson, right? Like yes. it wasn't his career yeah. a lot like that. Um, yeah. McLaurin, by the way, 23rd in points per game. And that's right where we are, right? 22, 22 and 27 in yep. the rankings. One thing I'll say about Dotson though, if his role is the same as last year, it's going to be boom bust, right? He had the best touchdown rate at wide receiver. That'll come back to earth a little bit, but he was fourth in average depth of target. So it was a lot of vertical work and that's yeah. going to mean it kind of like the easy example is always Deshaun Jackson, right? Sure. Like it's just going to be kind of boom bust. He's going to hit for a big play and then maybe he has a two for 12 game, right? You might see a little boom bust, boom bust. But I think when all is said and done, I think I'll finish like in the late thirties in, in rankings. Dotson. Dotson. Okay. Yeah. 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 So, you know, McLaurin's actually kind of been like one of my sneaky, like not followers, not dramatic followers, but as you tend to shift like, po- like pockets of players mm-hmm. and I've kind of moved him down from like wide receiver 18 to like 21 or 22 or 23, mm-hmm. just because they look at it more and more and more question marks at quarterback play. How yep. much touch on his ups, how much touch touch you're almost it's there. Good to you're speak almost legibly there. on a I podcast. That's right. It's a marathon. If you're ever going to like struggle to talk, <laughs> so or that now's right. the time, yeah, the right now's time to do it. it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, how much excuse. touchdown upside is there for the entire offense? Yeah. yeah. Like, is this a league average offense? I don't think so. I think it's probably a bottom eight or 10 offense if I had to guess. Yeah. And as a result of that, like, are they going to be scoring a ton of touchdowns this year? Maybe I could be way off here. I just feel like Terry's touchdown upside, um, his, his receiving yard upside is just a little bit lower than some of the guys that I was able to move up my rankings quite a bit. If you want yeah. a little optimism, uh, Jacoby Brissett's the backup there, right? And he took care of Amari Cooper last yes, year. Yes, he did. He did. And, <laughs> you would, and, and you're like, okay, well, Brissett's not starting, but if Brissett's not starting, that means Howell's doing a pretty good job, probably yeah. better than Brissett could do. So Hot take, if, though. little silver line. If you told me Jacoby Brissett was a starter in week one, I'd feel better about Terry McLaurin in week one than Sam Howell. I think I agree In week that. one, fair. But again, if Brissett's not playing this year, it means Howell's doing a good that's job. Right, no, that's, that's great even point. better. That's that's even better maybe yeah. it's like the devil you do know versus the devil you don't know. Right? Yes. Kobe Brissett is, you know, just like, he is what he is as a quarterback, right? He is like the best backup quarterback in the NFL. So what you're saying is if you're going to be bad, Sam Howell, be really bad right away. Yeah, yeah. So we yes, can get in there and like, save talk about us. Terry McLaurin. That's been one of my themes over the past 24 hours. We've been talking about all these different stories during the marathon is why don't people within NFL organizations care more about our fantasy football consideration? That's a great right. question. That's, we're going to discuss that Just, and more on the final on the marathon over the next, what do we have? 10 more hours? Yes, yeah. we do have at least 10 more hours. Let's take a quick look at this division though, field. Yeah. Eagles. Yep. 11 and a half projected wins. Are you taking yep. the over or under and a playoff berth? Over plus playoffs. Over plus playoffs. Mike Clay. Yeah, my projection's very close, so I'll I'll lean over on the Eagles, yeah. And they're they top seed in the NFC. This is the only team where Mike's projection is actually under because it's the Eagles he'll lean over. Right, that's right. Over. It's a wash. No big yeah. deal. All right, Cowboys. Total win projection, nine and a half wins. Mike Clay, do you see him as Dallas, over or under nine and a half? Nine and a half, wow. Uh, I'm over. I'm 10.9. Yeah, I've got yeah. over as well, though. Their schedule is notable. The Cowboys do not have an easy schedule coming out mm-hmm. of the gates this season. They've got the Giants on the road, the Jets. Cardinals will be easier there. than Patriots, 49ers, Chargers. Eesh, there's some tough games. There. It is tough, but that's a really good team. Though. Yeah, a really right, good so, team. So Eagles, I'm assuming when you guys said playoffs, Eagles winning this division, do you yes. see the Cowboys as a potential wild Definite. card team? Yeah, I wild think they're the team. two. Yep. Yeah, I think they're the top wild card. Yep. All right, let's talk about the Giants. Win projection, seven and a half. Ooh, I'm going to pass. I'm at 7.4, so I'm leaning um, under. I'll go over. Brian over Dayball's legit, man. You think He's so? a real deal, yeah. But does not make the playoffs? Uh, over does not make the playoffs. I yep. think that's where I'm at, too. Over, but does not make the playoffs. And the Ooh, Commanders, maybe? six and a half total wins. You know what? You know I take I that back. You think they're going to make the playoffs? Giants over. 
that just missed the playoffs. Because okay. I have you to. It, the NFC is weak. Yeah, it's the really NFC, weak. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah uh, Commanders six and a half total wins. You take an over or under I'm, on that? You know where I'm at. Under, under five yeah. and a half. Yeah, that's one of my largest gaps. I'm under two. Under and no playoffs. That's it. That's the NFC East, guys. It's tough. I can't believe we were able to get today's show in after everything that happened yesterday. And we are still not done. Again, the Fantasy Football Marathon continues to roll on tonight. ESPN 1, 7 to 10 p.m. All of us are drafting. It's going to be a ton of fun like it is every single week, every single year. Excuse me. We'll be back tomorrow with another breakdown of the NFC West. Is that what it is? We're doing the West. Liz is from L.A., so we're doing the the, the West. Mm, That makes a lot of sense. All right. For Field, for Mike. We love you guys so much. Anything you want to add, Field? Uh, No, we'll talk to you guys tomorrow. We will talk Mm -hmm. to you guys tomorrow. Don't forget to love each other. Be kind to yourself. We'll see you tonight. If you have a coffee, please send it to me. Yes. I will Venmo you $19 (laughs) for a coffee. Strong coffee, 7 p.m. What was it? Jimmy Butler charged 25 bucks a coffee? That's like a New York City coffee. Uh, It's a Jimmy Butler coffee cup. Okay. What's it called? Like a Big Head coffee or something? Is that what it is? No, Big Head was from Silicon Valley, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Great show. I love that show. That was so funny. Zach Woods. Mike, you going to wake up now that we're done with the show? Yeah, now I'm awake. Hey. Time to party. Let's go work out. You want to go work out? Let's go. Work out. I actually could use a workout right now. If you need a stick of Tide, Field is your guy. If you're in Bristol or in Farmington, you should find another ride. Candidly, he hates Mike Clay. And you know that it's a fact. Every hater's gonna yate. Cause he's on TV every day. A spicy tomato who's got the stats and tweets that'll make you laugh. He's our favorite host. And everybody knows